Unfederated, a podcast for freelancers hosted by a brother and sister who are polar opposites, but have found a way to make a living doing what they love. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Pretty good. I have a question for you. Oh, let's hear it. Are you a millennial? Ooh, that's a super good question. Thank you. I have way more thoughts on this than, than a, a human should. <laughs> did I hit, I hit gold? <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. Um, yes, technically by year, I think I'm the oldest possible millennial. Okay. Um, there's an article that I read. A, I hope you know that I agree <laughs> that you, in, in the very nature and core of you, are the oldest possible <laughs> millennial. <laughs> yes, so. that, that rings true on yeah. multiple levels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an article I read a couple of years ago saying that me and the people one year before me and one year after me shouldn't be categorized by the typical whatever names. Okay. And it labeled us as the Oregon Trail generation. Oh, man. And I love that. And you having changed. <laughs> yeah. Oregon Trail was a wonderful game. Yeah. Having spent many an hour playing Oregon Trail uh, in mom's classroom. Um, as a child, I would, I would very much agree with that. Yeah. Why do you ask? Um, I was just wondering as a millennial, how often millennials think about death. Mm. (laughs) Are are you a millennial? Oh yeah. Square in the millennial. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I started thinking Um, that since you described, spoke of them and, uh, second person, what is that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Native English speaker. I don't know those grammar rules. Yeah. Spoiler alert, that was my degree. Uh-huh. <laughs> Four-year degree in English, so I ought to. Um, yeah, I I'm, I'm, think I'm pretty squarely a millennial, but everybody, I mean, millennials have su- get such a negative rap that I think everybody uh, has or wants to have a reason to not count as one. Yeah. Some people are more motivated than other people of all ages and generations. So I'm on the board of a, uh, a campus ministry um, here in Chattanooga. And it's, uh, you know, college age kids and people still label them as millennials, even though like millennials haven't been in college for like four Aww. or five years, there's, they're still getting dumped on as millennials. Okay. And I think that's hilarious. Cause it's like, so unfair. And, uh, yeah, it's just a derogatory term. Then it's like hipster, like the people yeah. I have sat with people who have like the own mustache wax. <laughs> who talk derogatorily about other people being hipsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just whatever you aren't. So a millennial is whatever we aren't, I guess. Yeah. And um, there's a millennial in all of us, but as people of our particular generation, um, which are young to you know, mid-30s professionals, how often do you think people um, consider what would happen if they die? I'm just thinking hashtag adulting so hard right now. Mm-hmm. Um for us, for me, uh, I think about it quite a bit uh, for a couple of reasons. One, we have a small child, and that's forced us to have to get, um, you know, things, things, in, certain things in order. I was mm-hmm. going to say our affairs, affairs in order, but that sounds like one of us is dying. Um, but we uh, have to have a plan for for uh, life, life after death. Um, and then the second piece of it is I've been studying a lot about uh, stoicism. Uh, lately, and they're really big on facing death head on and and coming to some sort of peace about um 
about dying. And so I did, I did not see that coming. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Cool. I, I, th- I think we can say that falls outside the scope of this podcast. But. Probably. But if anyone's interested in diving into stoicism, see, uh, e.g., view on death, um, where, what should they look into? Uh, yeah. So I've been getting, um, there's a, a, uh, email newsletter I get every day called the, uh, Daily Stoic. Okay. I'm Googling that to make sure that that's correct. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll put a link in show notes. Um, and so I've been kind of reading through that as it comes. Uh, I've followed them a couple other places where they share stuff, but um, that's been my uh, half-hearted attempt to familiarize myself with it. That is fascinating. Um, so what have you learned then? I mean, because dying and death, in my experience, um, when I deal with a million business owners, Oftentimes, the business owners are more towards the 50s and 60s and 70s spectrum rather than 20s and 30s. And some have really, they have a very transparent and um, discussed and written down uh, succession plan. Right. Usually when I find those, I find that it's a really well-run business and a pretty good manager of people. Mm. Um, but they're the minority. A lot of people even who are very, very, very much retirement age have zero plan. Um, and the reality is, you know, everyone needs a plan for your business and you don't have a lot of the same, um, you don't have the same freedom to just ignore that, that you do if you're a cog in a wheel at a traditional employer. Yeah. Uh, a machine. I don't know what part of a wheel is a cog. Hmm. Is a cog the sprocket or is a cog the spoke? I don't know. I feel like this is a thing that we knew when we played Oregon Trail. And, <laughs> yes. And yes, now we don't know then, anymore. Then we got uh, uh, gonorrhea. <laughs> I don't think gonorrhea was on Oregon Trail. Wasn't it? What trail were you on? <laughs> no, I think there's some STDs on Oregon Trail. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's all I oh, care gosh. about now. New topic for the <laughs> new topic. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Syphilis. I bet it was syphilis. Oh, it was totally syphilis. Not yeah. My bad. My bad. Listen, um, I traded like six pounds of sugar and several <laughs> wagon wheels, and I got syphilis. So <laughs> Arkansas was not great to me or my family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the, you know, they call it the Wild Wild West for a reason. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, uh, Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we've actually on the on the topic of death kind of faced this uh, recently as we were kind of getting a lot of our uh, we were updating wills and stuff um, uh, at a personal level, my wife and I for our family. And uh, we we re up some life insurance and we've just kind of had a season of dealing with all that. And it it got me thinking, like, what happens to my business? If that happens, um, I guess I think about it on a couple different levels. One, how, like, how do I ensure that my clients are cared for well in that situation? And, and that, you know, could range from anywhere from like just figuring out a way to pass the baton. Well, like making sure account access and all of that kind of stuff isn't siloed with me or, you know, doesn't disappear with me. Um, but also is like, is my book of business have a monetary value like that I would hate to just see like, you know, uh, I guess it depends on uh, if so, how much, but of a certain amount, like I would hate to just see that dissipate uh, into nothing just cause I didn't have a plan, you know? Yeah. And, and things can, um, 
when you just stop to think about it, you, uh, about your business, if, if nobody's accurately or like um, adequately managing things, it could go downhill really fast because you have all your expenses coming out and you don't necessarily have income going in. So if somebody's paying attention, then a profitable business that should have at least some you know positive in it might be in the negative by the time anybody uh, tunes in. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, from as a, from a, with your wall hat on, not law, not law advice. Um, mm -hmm. like what's, what should I be thinking about as, as I kind of like, um, like if I, if I wanted to get a plan together for that, uh, do you have any advice for me? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in a different situation than uh, like we both are. Uh, it depends a little bit on hard assets and what kind of asset portfolio your business has mm -hmm. and liability portfolio, how active you need to be. I mean, if you have a bunch of employees and um, super high overhead, you're going to have to make different steps sooner uh, than if you are just like you, you and I and your individuals who are service providers and you have relatively low overhead. Yeah. Um, for lawyers, there's a whole slew of ethical rules for stuff we have to do for ourselves to make sure our clients are taken care of you before you can even file for or um, apply for malpractice insurance, um, most carriers or a lot of the carriers will ask you to name who your backup is in case something happens to you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I think that's probably good stuff to just uh, adopt for non-lawyer people, because I think you should always have a backup. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, a bare minimum, you should have another person who's doing something similar to you who could step in and know enough about it to um, wrap things up or stop the bleeding or, you know, do any, or, or take over your, your clients and your account if you can find one. Yeah. I guess my thinking is like at the very least, um, I have this, uh, freelance career in a box, you know? Yeah. And if I get by bus, like if, if that's something someone else might want, like if, you know, they're aspiring freelancer, like I would have no need for it anymore, you know? Yeah. So it seems like having a, a plan to kind of pass pass the baton on that would be great just in general just like in a karma sense but um but then also like to ensure that um things with my clients are not left you know awkward i mean i would imagine if i'm one of my clients and and you know my vendor gets hit by bus like there's certain parts of that that are going to be weird to try to broach i mean how how weird of a, a conversation is that with like my family to be like, Hey, our account's spending thousands of dollars a day. And like, we really need to make that stop. But, yeah. um, but I realize this is a hard time and I don't, you know, what, what do you do in a situation like that? Oh, totally. Well, so uh, with regard to selling a company, just generally the backbone um, structure of that is that small businesses are usually sold in, in to simplify it two separate ways. There's uh, actual purchase of the business, which is kind of what you were referring to, business in a box. And then there's an asset purchase, which is more commonly done because um, if you buy the business, you're buying potential liabilities associated with the business that you don't know about, especially if somebody died. So people might not want to buy your whole business because they don't know if you have this line of credit that you haven't disclosed that's going to come back on the business, which they now own. Right. But if they want to buy the clients, they want to buy the assets, then they can take those piecemeal, you know, a la carte and then leave the shell of the company to kind of wither and die with any uh, residual liabilities along with it. Like as a, a personal level, I have a will. Is, is there a will for this kind of situation? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, often called transition plans. Okay. Um, you you don't have to, you know, it depends on. It's so factually specific. For me, um, I do have a transition plan, and it took me less than an hour to create, and it's just a list of um, the order in which to do things. You know, notice notify the person who does my taxes. Uh, <laughs> enter into these bank accounts that have you know, these account numbers. Um, contact this person, contact that person. And then I have my backup who steps in and helps manage things with a client. But I think it's really good if you have like a partner that you're working with, or do you ever coordinate with who's in a similar or the same space? It's good to have a third party provider who's familiar with your accounting and bookkeeping to manage all of that. That way there's no um, miscommunications between your family and the person taking over and you know people feel like the other one's screwing the other one and it becomes this big emotional thing if you have a third party who's just you know doesn't have a, a dog in the fight to look at the views and neutrally or look at the books and neutrally give a, a viewpoint mm-hmm. i think that's a very smart way to start yeah that makes sense i'll have to give that some more thought i mean part of me wonders immediately like what is you know, um, what is the value that we're talking about here? Is this a thousand dollar thing? Is this a hundred thousand dollar thing? You know, yeah. Um, as as far as how much time and attention it probably deserves, um, I think it's worth uh, exploring with uh, a backup if you can find one who's on the same page. I think it's very reasonable to have some kind of agreement if you're not a lawyer to say, "Hey, I'll be your backup. You be mine. If I die." Um, you'll, you know, service my clients and, in my existing contracts and you agree that, you know, 25% of the rate that you receive goes to my family for the first two years Okay, and I'll do the same for you, you know? Yeah. That's a very simplistic, uh, example of something that could be done, but I think it's, it's worth considering. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I mean, honestly, um, I mean, my, my business is pretty simplistic, right? There's not, mm-hmm. um, not a lot to it. And at any given time I might have you know, some number of months of, uh, clients and under contract, you know? Um, yeah. And so there would be some expected revenue, you know? Okay. Um, so that's the only thing about it that would make me think, Oh, okay. You know, someone could step in here and fulfill those contracts on my behalf. And, you know, some clients may leave, some may stay, whatever. That totally makes sense. I mean, you have like a, a committed um, revenue. It, it's almost like a subscription, right? You have people who've subscribed to what you're providing or what your company is providing. So to that extent, if somebody stepped in and were able to provide that, then the money you know could just go back to your family if you arranged it the right way on the front end. Yeah. So from your perspective, you've got to do this for your um, your insurance. Um, what other, uh, do you have any other mechanisms in place, um, on your end to kind of address this situation? Yeah. So there's a couple things that I have to do. For instance, record keeping, I have to keep, uh, client files for some specific period of time that can be up to seven years. And just generally, if you pay your lawyer for this document, you know, and you lose it somehow, (laughs) you'd like to think you could go back to that lawyer and get that document without having to pay them to recreate it. Yeah. Um, and that's very reasonable. And even if I died, I would hope that that would be the case. So um, I keep all my client files on the uh, a version of the cloud that's 
secure where it can be you know, parlayed off to someone so they can have access to all of that. And then I'm, I don't know, I go back and forth, honestly, between getting disability insurance and that kind of thing, which is a different consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, but were I to just get hit by a bus or drop dead or um, get, get dysentery, as the case may be. Uh-huh. <laughs> get ill with diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> as I'm trying to forge a river, uh-huh. <laughs> then um, I... Uh, have a list of things that would need to be done essentially like stop paying your overhead because those things automatically will be withdrawn until you have no money in the account if somebody's not looking out for it and there's no reason i mean you can pretty much just like stop paying your overhead and are they going to come after a dead person like right you know one out of ten people might actually try that um so canceling all of that stuff is uh step one and then making sure the people, the appropriate people are notified and that they can um, access the client files. And then also I have the issue of AR, right? Um, so anything I've invoiced for that I haven't been paid on and then any work I've done that I haven't invoiced on. Mm-hmm. Those are two waves, which right now aren't the biggest amounts of money. And it'd probably be fine if they just um, disappeared into the ether as things do. But um, I don't know. It's it's still like if you're going to be uh, really responsible, that's thousands and thousands of dollars. So yeah. <laughs> you would like to think somebody could step in. And that's where it's good to have a bookkeeper or someone else who could just step in and, uh, you know, send those follow ups and try to get actually paid on all the outstanding invoices and then invoice for anything substantial that hadn't been invoiced for yet. Yeah. You know, you might think worst case scenario, you get, you get hit by bus. But really, like in my mind, worst case scenario is like you get hit by a bus, but you don't die. Yeah. You know, you know, like you you um, are still like if we're talking just super plainly, very cold, you, every individual is both a liability and an asset to some capacity, you know, and if you die, you're neither of those anymore, you know, um, but in certain situations, you could become just a liability without the ability to earn a an income, you know? Um, Oh yeah. And then in my mind, that's, that's like kind of the worst scenario um, for, for those that would then become responsible for cleaning up what's left. And um, you mentioned disability insurance and uh, life insurance and uh, cause there's, there's a couple different you know levels in between. Um, but those are all really interesting considerations in a world where a lot of times that's a, part or most of that stuff is part of your employee benefits package and in our world doesn't exist you know like we're kind of on the hook for that ourselves absolutely um and so i'd imagine a lot of people probably take that for granted or just don't even think about it um because it's it's a nuanced type of insurance yeah if if also i would be remiss as a lawyer who's not giving legal advice to if I didn't say that um, if you have a company that has more than one person getting uh, key man or key person insurance, which is basically just a life insurance policy that the company carries on the important people <laughs> in the company, is such a good idea because it's a company expense. Um, and if anything bad happens to one of the two owners, right, uh, their life is going to be wrecked and their, their finances are going to take a huge hit. If you, for instance, have 50, 50 company or something right? and having an insurance policy to kick in and help, um, bridge that huge period of transition, uh, would be 
were really helpful for the amount of money it costs. It's worth considering. Um, when it's just you, I mean, you're not there anymore <laughs> if, it, if it goes down and it's more about winding things up or passing them off than it is uh, weathering the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you know, you've been through this. You've been the um, the person who is responsible for the estate uh, the dealings of another person. Did that inform your plans as your yeah, you're right. I've been I've been the executor of the estate before, not too long ago, and it was a individual that died somewhat unexpectedly. So, you know, there wasn't an expectation that something was going to happen, so the time and attention of, to detail hadn't been put in. And it was, it you know, it required a lot of time to connect all the dots. And this this individual was traditionally employed, and there's so there's like HR people and stuff helping me from that perspective. Um, I can only imagine that if if it were an individual self-employed, um, that would be an even greater burden on you know who, whoever's filling that executive role because you've got to step into a business and and like you know I think about stuff like just really mechanically, like someone needs to be able to get into my computer, mm-hmm. you know, and someone needs in my you know uh, Dropbox or my um, one password or my, you know, name, all the other, you know, my bank account, like all the other logins that are kind of essential, uh, for that person to step in and, and hopefully somewhat seamlessly take over. Um, and I, I battle this, this, uh, tension between keeping all that stuff super safe for, for my own, you know, well-being and peace of mind versus leaving some level of, you know, availability for whoever that would need to to step in in the event something like that happens. Um, and that's, those are really conflicting, you know, priorities. They are. Like, uh, for example, it would be easy if, you're, if your only priority was to make sure somebody knew everything. You could just put a Word document together with all your accounts and passwords and email it to all of them. Yeah, right. But then your security is totally screwed. So. Yeah, that's a security nightmare. Yeah. Um, and like, uh, as with my executor hat on, you know, there were a couple of things that I very clearly needed and deserved access to that took weeks get the right forms to the right people and have it reviewed and all that kind of stuff. And, and so all that stuff takes a lot longer, at least in my experience, than a reasonable human would expect. Hmm. Uh, especially when it gets to like the bank level or the, you know, the big institution that that yeah. is probably processing dozens of these every day. Um, and so, you know, I think for a lot of freelancers, you know, weeks of inactivity, uh, it could be a real problem. You know, that's you've a got, great point. Yeah, you've got a lot of things that have gone sideways, perhaps uh, in that time, and and certainly a consideration. What do you think the solution is? Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, you know, if uh, I'm just shooting from the hip here, thinking out loud, but you know, someone that would be qualified to take over my book of business, for example, um, I, I guess would be a competitor, right? Like, yeah. Uh, so, you know, how much information do you want to share with that person <laughs> now? Um, good point. <laughs> yeah. Thought about that, you know, and if it's, if it's not, if it's someone that, you know, maybe is, is traditionally employed, but has the skill set, you know, that's still, um, still odd. It's just an, an, an odd situation. Um, I have, I've really kind of settled on a place where, um, the executors 
of of our states have access um have like one password and not not the software but like have a password and and that password opens up a a database of additional information and it's it's not all the information but it's like the key information for them to start connecting the dots and you know it's almost like a phased approach a little bit like um that way if you know something weird happens the exposure is is somewhat mitigated um but then they have all the tools they need to get all the things within a reasonable period of time uh but it's you know it's thinking through having if that uh responsibility fell in my lap tomorrow for someone else like that's a that's a, a significant uh burden you know it is you're asking a lot for someone if a freelancer is listening to this and is like i don't know what to do with my business, you should be somebody who comes in and helps people with estates. <laughs> just yeah. finds it like the executor assistant who just shows up and does nothing but that and then takes like a 10% cut of whatever's recovered and then just really like chases down all the leads and stuff because um, the fact that people that can happen to you when you have you you could have two year old triplets and a terminal illness yourself and somehow be responsible for that. And, you know, all the money is just going to dissipate into the, into the air because, you know, you just don't have the time and capacity to do that. Um, there should be more people taking advantage of that, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, just this topic in general to, to zoom out, um, you know, a lot is just a weird thing to talk about. Uh, most people don't want to think about it and the people who are comfortable talking about it, like it's still an awkward and, you know, sticky subject matter. So that's interesting. Um, I, I get so used to it because I play this, um, choose your own adventure thing when I set up a company or I'm doing any agreement. Cause I think that's what you do when you're a lawyer who drafts contracts is you're like, but what if <laughs> this happens? Uh -huh. And I'll just sit down with clients all the way and be like, Oh, but what if you die? And then he dies. What if he dies? And then you die. And then his wife owns the company, you know, like we yeah. just go through every possible iteration of what could happen. So for me, it's an easy hypothetical thought exercise to just sit down and it's worth it. I mean, you don't have to confront your own um, mortality completely on an emotional, psychological, spiritual level. You just have to think like very, you know, strategically and literally and, um, you know, uh, clinically what happens if I die right now who's going to step in how are they going to know what my email password is and how are they going to know um, what money is in my bank account and how is my uh, family and my um you know my issues going to be taken care of taken care of i think that's really worth considering even if you don't want to spring for a full will or anything like that you should be thinking about this mm -hmm putting it together because you know you could you could be sick something unexpected could happen and being able having already isolated it down like you have rob to having you know the keys to the kingdom at least accessible and a really easy soundbite you know you can say here's the password to the database that has the other things in it um if you do that you have keys to the kingdom that can be handed off um you know in the event of some unexpected thing happening and my mind goes to what's the um and partnerships, you're worried about the four D's like death, disability, divorce, and drugs or something like that. <laughs> I've never heard that. Oh no. Oh gosh. No. I figured that was like a first yeah, day of law sounds school. Sounds like thing. a thing. Yeah. <laughs> nope. 
Um, yeah, the, the thinking is that that's like when you enter into a partnership, um, those are the things to consider. It's not just, um, if any of those things happen to you or your partner, you want your company to be able to withstand them or have a plan. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it feels a lot kind of like that, you know, not that it would be a problem for someone else. If those things happen to you, it'd be a problem for you. Uh, and then if, if death were one, then then it would be a problem for those uh, left behind. Well, I mean, I think that there's this unspoken thing when people come to this consideration where they feel like if they plan for something, it's more likely to happen. And that is just not true. (laughs) So (laughs) plan for it. You're not going to jinx yourself into getting hit by a bus. Just look both ways. (laughs) And then also plan for what would happen if you get hit by a bus. Yeah, so I've I've alluded to this before. I'll, I'll get kind of um, next level. Uh, I was dealing with a health issue some number of years ago, and that included a lot of really serious doctor appointments and some traveling to some doctors far, far away for special tests and stuff. And we that was kind of the precipice for us putting a lot of this together, like number of years ago, um, iter- iteration one, you know. And there was something going into that situation. There's like really strong sense of uh, comfort or peace or whatever, uh, knowing that um, all, all my stuff was buttoned up, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, so, that, you know, to your point about thinking about it doesn't mean, you know, the worst is about to happen. To me, like the opposite was true. I actually felt a whole lot better uh, entering into you, you know, um, stressful situations, knowing that, uh, all, you know, I'd done all that I could do to make sure all of that kind of stuff was, was as, uh, put together as possible. Yeah. That rings really true to me as well. Um, I think that's a great, a great plan and it's just, it, it's worth considering it's worth putting a contract together with someone. Um, it, you know, always have a plan and then always be, uh, revising and changing that plan. Do you, I mean, do you currently now, Rob, have a plan? Um, I have told my wife the plan, um, but the plan involves some people who don't know they're in the plan. So cool. are, are any of them listening right now? Uh, I have no idea. Probably. Listening. Yeah. Is it, is it you? So it's an Easter egg. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, if you follow the clues. Yeah. It, d- it does feel like you're giving like one key to level one, but it's up to you to get to level two, three, and four. And eventually you save the princess. Yeah. It's it's the world's most boring Nicolas Cage movie. <laughs> you know, like, That's the answer then. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've just kind of off the cuff been like, hey, if something happens to me, like, like here's here's three people you should reach out to you know like this person could probably take over this stuff and this person would be able to help you with this part and whatever um yeah. i i'm super nerdy about tech stuff so i've uh, suggested someone that could be a advisor in all things tech like how how do you how do you get to all of Rob's stuff, you know? Smart. Um, and I've got someone else that's more of a peer uh, professionally, and that that's a person that could uh, take over my accounts and provide some sort of, you know, transition or bridge. Um, just, you know, the key pieces, but that's not formal, and those people don't know it, and they may not be willing to do it. Um, yeah. um, but at the time, without having a formal plan in place, at least, you know, wanted to feel like I could connect the dots a little bit. 
That's way better than nothing. But it's that's the weird part about or one of the weird parts about being uh, an entrepreneur or a freelancer is that um, your spouse or your per- your people will have this whole personal side of things and all of that business to take care of in addition to this entire it's almost being two people. Yeah, it really is. Uh, like, I mean, you know, you're, uh, perhaps your spouse or your family is dealing with uh, the the emotional loss. And then now they have this great responsibility to clean up whatever business mess you leave them, uh, assuming there's value there. So uh, to me, it kind of feels like if, you know, if you're doing this full time, you've been doing it for a few years, there's probably some value there. You know, if you're still growing your business, maybe not. But um, if if you make a living doing it, I would imagine there's there's something to be said for that. I agree. And I think if you think about that uh, up front, a lot of the decisions you make, you'll just account for it. You know, when you open a new account, you'll just update the uh, information you have, um, the database so that somebody else can enter into it, or you make sure that there's somebody else who's a signatory. One thing I realized when we were doing this was I'm the only uh, person who can sign on the account for the nonprofit that I'm the treasurer of. Uh, yeah. And I thought I need to change that <laughs> because can you imagine? I mean, these people are my colleagues, but uh, from a very arm's length professional relationship they don't i don't need to be the only one who's signing into the bank account and having that much money sitting there without anyone else i mean they're probably gonna have a really hard time getting a copy of my death certificate because they don't know (laughs) my husband's name you know how would they even right so uh, getting somebody else on things like that um if you're thinking about it you can just do it before it's harder to do in retrospect than it is um prospectively yeah uh, something I've found that I've, I feel like furthers this a good bit for my industry. Um, we used to, in agency land, we used to often find clients that would come in and say, hey, um, I've had this other team or other agency build this as, you know, web-based asset or, or ha- they have uh, been managing these accounts for us. And we don't have access to any of it. And now we've gotten like crossways with that team. And so like, now we're just like up a creek, you know? Um, and so that's a great point. It's one of the things that I've done as a result of that. I've just seen so many bad cases about it, um, is, you know, creating every account that I have for any of my clients, I go out of my way to make sure that they have access to it. Also, um, some appreciate that. And some are kind of like, whatever, I'm hiring you to do this. Like, leave me alone. Um, but in my mind, when we start thinking about these kind of conversations, it's nice. You know, the easiest thing I can do for them is just to make sure that they can pick up the ball and run with it in in the event that they need to, you know, um, hopefully I have a plan in place that allows someone else to step in and, and bridge that gap. But worst case scenario, I don't want you know, uh, Google ads account spending $10,000 a month running in the background with no one, you know, being able to touch it. And so. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's a, I think a good practice just from a business perspective, like sans anyone dying, <laughs> but, right. um, but also helps alleviate this and a good, a good point too. So, um, but the both sides are true. If, if you're someone on the receiving end of an agency or, um, some sort of contractor, um, insist that you get those things, you know, while, while everyone's still on good terms and, um, you know, so, so you don't find yourself locked out of your own accounts. And that's the, and that's why it's so brilliant is you can insist on it in a non confrontational way, because you can say, this is part of the, tra- Hey, I was putting together this transition plan in case 
anything happens, just prophylactically, everything's fine, but it's just good business and I update it every year. And so I need access to this and um, I need my own uh, way to, to access all of the stuff that you've done for me. And I need to have that level of transparency. It can be hard to ask for that for from vendors and things without seeming like you don't trust them or. Yeah. Or you're shopping out whatever yeah. work they're doing for you or whatever. Yeah. And maybe you are, but th- there's your excuse. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what I think that's what makes it easiest to do it at, at the very beginning of a relationship just to set that expectation. But yeah, um, not everyone has that luxury. Well, I think that's a good thing to a lot of good things to think about as you kind of build your freelance career. Yeah. Is there any, anything else sticking in your mind on this particular subject of death, dying, and uh, tuberculosis on the Oregon Trail? That's right. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's it's we've talked about when you're a freelancer, you have to wear a lot of hats. Unfortunately, this is one of the hats you have to wear, you know, is, is having to plan for all of this um, when you're a team of one. That's true. This is probably uh, perhaps the most depressing uh, episode of Unfederated, but, um, but um, I think... So far, we'll have a worse one. <laughs> like, let's keep going downhill. If we keep talking about ways to die on the the uh, frontier, then you know we'll have to uh, put the explicit tag on this episode. <laughs> it was so simple then. <laughs> yes. um, the life expectancy was thirty seven, <laughs> and <laughs> you just died. You just died. So it's just, I guess we should probably hit disability insurance. Do you have it? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, so we have uh, disability insurance and long-term care insurance, which uh, I guess are kind of one and the same. Um, we do not have a short-term disability kind of thing in plan, but we have uh, savings, like emergency fund kind of stuff to cover that. Okay. Um, and then life insurance, like uh and I would also suggest uh, umbrella policy too. We've talked about that in a prior episode, but all three types of insurance uh, allow me to sleep a lot better at night. What about you? Uh, same, same, same. Um, the thing is, my husband is traditionally employed, so I have less to worry about as far as he is concerned. And then also because he's traditionally employed with a good job. He has less to worry about. It's not an issue of if I'm not bringing in income, it would just be the the long-term care type of um, considerations. And that's actually covered with our, with our health policy. Yeah. That's awesome. With, with my wife being self-employed, like I would, I would imagine there would be a season where she wouldn't be operating at her yeah. full uh, capacity at her job, you know? It's the, it's the most profitable she's ever been. <laughs> Yeah, it was, she would either uh, go nuts or yeah. um, uh, let things slide. So uh, life insurance goes a long way in those kind of situations to just grease the wheels. Not that it fixes anything, but um, kind of makes a few things a little easier. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. I it, I didn't, if you're listening to this and you're like, I have no insurance, uh, just get it. It's fine. I didn't have life insurance until like three months ago. Yeah. So... Yeah. And you really need life insurance if you have dependents, like that's a spouse, kids, whatever. Um, I think even like, you know, stay at home spouses um, would be wise to have insurance because if, if they disappear, like someone's got to, you know, fulfill their role in the family, right? Um, child care, whatever, uh, whatever uh, benefit they provide at home. Um, so, um, yeah, I think uh, life insurance is super affordable. 
and uh, could go a long way in that situation. Couldn't agree more. We're uh, we're looking to get our sailing certification. So I was really hoping to get our life insurance policies in place before that. Yeah. <laughs> because I've watched Dateline a <laughs> time or two, and I know how this whole story ends. And either way, one of us needs life insurance. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. I went through Xander Insurance. I guess I would give them a, a call out because you recommended them to me and they were very good. I shopped around, but yeah, same here. Um, they're one of the few, a lot of agencies I've worked with in the past claim that at the end of each year, they're going to reach back out and reassess your plan and all that kind of stuff. And they're the first ones that have actually done that. <laughs> so kudos to them for yeah. actually, uh, following through with it. And, um, they are, I think we've talked about this in a prior episode, but they are a, um, an insurance broker, uh, an independent broker, not a captive agent, like a um, you know one of the insurance companies you've heard about on TV. Um, so they shop a bunch of different co- companies for you, and they make the uh, the shopping uh, process a lot easier. Yeah, and when you get your insurance policy through them, I mean, your toolkit for making sure you're, you can sleep well on this stuff is just making sure somebody has access to a roadmap for all of your, your accounts and situations and logins. And one password is what, uh, Rob uses to do that. Right. Yep. Yeah. One password. And there's another one called LastPass. Um, I'll, I'll include both in show notes, but I think that could be a really valuable tool to this conversation. It's a, it's a mechanism that just holds all of your logins, uh, basically really securely. So, and, and it helps you generate because of that, and really, really unique logins, so they're less likely to be, be breached and stuff. So um, using that means that you can basically pass off one password that then, like, a single password that then results in somebody having access to all of your logins that you ever have. And once you have it established, every time you get a new one, you input it, it's no big deal. Um, and then you, you save your insurance information and all of your legal documents all in the same tidy place and make sure that a couple of people know where that is and you'll be way ahead of most people. Yeah. I wrote an article some number of years ago that I'll link to, too, about using 1Password as an estate plan. Um, it's not geared towards business owners, um, but at a personal level, but I think a lot of it's applicable here. So okay. um, I'll include that, too. One of the things that I thought the Bitcoin was going to be useful for was <laughs> similarly, because, you know, the concept of Bitcoin is that whoever has the, the pass key to it or whatever uh, owns it. Right. Right. And so as an estate plan, it's brilliant because there's no taxation. There's no changing hands. You just pass that like, pass key or whatever it's called over to somebody else in the same way. And then they own it without any kind of transfer uh, issues at all. Um, but that has not panned out the way I expected. Yeah, you can say that a lot about um, cr- cryptocurrency. I did not invest, so I don't know how like much I thought that. <laughs> Clearly not enough to actually do anything about it. Well, and there's a couple different pieces too. This is a total tangent, but there's cryptocurrency, which is currency built on blockchain technology. Yeah. And I think blockchain is, is really what you're speaking to, which is that ledger that... that um, um, proof of ownership and, and, uh, trail, uh, paper trail of, of where assets are moving around. And that kind of thing I think could be invaluable, um, in, in the future as it becomes more hmm. widely adopted. So maybe, maybe that's the thing. So you have the file with the, 
passcode to your database that has all of your logins, your passkey to your cryptocurrency, uh-huh. yes. <laughs> and your legal documents. And um, yeah, you just try to not let anyone know how you are worth more dead yeah. than alive. Yeah, that's the best kept secret. <laughs> yeah. Especially the person with all your passwords. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anything we left out? Not for my end. I appreciate your thoughts. Me neither. <laughs> you do. Have a good week, Rob. What would anybody do if they wanted to reach out to us with questions or comments? Yeah, you should hit up the website, which is unfederated.studio slash 16. That's this episode. It'll have show notes for everything we talked about. And uh, up in the corner, there'll be a contact button if you want to get in touch with Sarah and I, if you have any suggestions or any thoughts of anything we missed hit us up and we'll follow up on a future show we love your feedback we love your opinions please hit us up and and rate us if you can in itunes so that people can find us easier yep that would be awesome all right have a great week see you sarah later bro